This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Linnell Hoke, SVP Cell Therapy Franchise Lead at Bristol-Myers Squibb. Linnell, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy you're here. It's great to join you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I want to start us off by talking a little bit about your role as SVP Cell Therapy Franchise Lead at BMS. So, you know, kind of from a high level, what does that entail? And what are your focus areas specifically for the remainder of 2023? Well, thank you so much for, again, having me. Let me just first say, I've had the extraordinary opportunity to be at BMS for over 20 years and work in a myriad of different therapeutic areas and different areas, all in the quest of bringing, you know, innovative and transformational medicines and high medical needs. And as the leader of cell therapy, I can say it is certainly one of the more extraordinary areas as we try to pioneer this field to bring the hope of cure um, to multiple segments of, of patients. And so my role entails that I am accountable to the um, overall delivery of cell therapy end to end. So that's across kind of from, from a research and development all the way through manufacturing to commercialization and making sure as a, as a company that not only do we deliver on our inline assets, but that we truly unlock the full promise of cell therapy and bring this transformational modality to, you know, instead of thousands of patients today, but to hundreds of thousands into the future. Good. Okay. So when it comes to what am I focused on and in 2023, I mean, I think it's a it's a great question. I think the team here at BMS, as I said, is pioneering this new field, and it comes into three buckets. First and foremost, we're working feverishly on our inline assets. We are the only company to have two CAR Ts targeting two distinct targets on CD19 and lymphoma, as well as a BCMA targeted CAR T known as a BACMA. And the Brianzi of BACMA portfolio, we're very active in 23. Um, we'll be working to move um, both of those assets into earlier lines. Um, first with the BACMA, with our recent Karma 3 data readout, we're working with health authorities across the U.S., Japan, and Europe to be able to bring that medication into earlier lines um, of multiple myeloma 
And then for Brandy, um, we obviously are looking forward to bringing that into earlier lines as well. We actually had a great and active um, summer season with ASCO, EHA, and ICML, where we had the opportunity to present some extraordinary pivotal data for Brianzi across CLL, follicular, and MCL, which then now allows us hopefully the opportunity, working with health authorities, of course, to bring Brianzi to the broadest array of B-cell malignancy. So we're very active and busy here um, at BMS with our inline assets. And we also have the good fortune of having quite an extraordinary and exciting pipeline. So we are equally active in new targets in cell therapy, so GPRC5D, we had the opportunity to present some new data at EHA showing the efficacy and safety of the of a CAR-T in this new target. And we'll be moving that program into a registrational pivotal program next year. So we're quite excited about that um, new target in multi-myeloma. And in addition, we have a CD19 XT um, asset that we recently announced, um, an IND and a path to progress on severe lupus. So bringing CAR-T not just into hematologic malignancies, but the opportunity to bring it into autoimmune disorders. So we're, we're quite excited um, about our near-term pipeline. And then of course we have an extraordinary team of people in early research and translational and, and our process development teams working on that next generation of both technology as well as science to be able to potentially bring cell therapy to an off the shelf type of solution, as well as potentially bring um, cell therapy into solid tumors. So we're highly active here at BMS as we think about the promise of cell therapy. Good, good. Yeah, I would definitely say highly active is a great way to describe BMS. So certainly one of the big and most important names in the space. And so really thankful that you brought us up to speed on what you're working on. And that actually brings me into what I want to kind of pivot to next, which is 2024 and kind of looking forward a little bit. So I, I want to kind of take this question in two parts. So I want to talk a little bit about the kind of most pressing concerns, but also the plans for CART-T cell therapy as we head into 2024. And yes, from BMS's perspective, but also from a sector perspective at large, you know, so I guess if we could start there, what are your thoughts on plans for CAR-T going forward, just from an overall global perspective? Yeah. Absolutely. As you think about the last couple de decades in CAR-T cell therapy, one of the biggest challenges we've been facing is how do you bring this transformational promise of this to more patients? So there is obviously complexities on scaling. There's complexities on delivering it in an ecosystem that all has to work together, not just at the manufacturers, but all the way through to the treatment centers and the ecosystem that supports it around it from regulatory authorities, et cetera. And then when you think about what we need to do to deliver this care to patients in other areas beyond the hematologic malignancies, some of the scientific challenges we have on finding targetable targets, um, being able to find the same persistence we see in, in hematologic malignancies. So when I think about the challenges for 24, it falls in kind of those two buckets. I think about our inline assets and say to ourselves, how do we bring it to more patients? And there's really two ways you think about that. One, as I spoke about earlier, it's bring it into earlier lines therapy into broader patient populations. There is the, how do I scale manufacturing 
in a way that allows us to deliver our transformational CAR T to more patients. And so we've been making significant investments, as is the field, in making sure we scale manufacturing to reach more patients. And then as I was talking about on the pipeline, it's it's saying to ourselves, as we think about hematologic malignancies, we're seeing transformational results, but not all patients are responding. So, so, so how do you do you potentially bring a dual targeting approach in to treat more patients? Do you think about bringing it onto additional platforms like HDL to be able to deliver it even to a further sets of populations? So I think when we think about it scientifically in our pipeline, the challenges and what we'll be focusing on in 24, it's clearly about bringing it to more patients with our inline assets. And it's also in our pipeline about exploring ways to bring it on new targets, as well as additional platforms by which we can bring cell therapy to more patients. Because if you really reflect as an industry, we're super proud. I know as a field, talking to many colleagues in cell and gene therapy, we're quite excited about the cures we're bringing to certain patients. Um, and we certainly know that the pressure's on for us to bring it to more. But we also are honest with ourselves to say, of the eligible CAR-T population today, only 20 to 30% of those patients are receiving CAR-Ts today. And so for us as an industry, we have to work awfully hard with the entire ecosystem to say, how do we make that number double and triple over the next decade? So the patients that deserve a chance for a cure, get that opportunity. So I think that's an enormous focus of, I know BMS is a leader in cell therapy, but also the, the broader ecosystem that we work in. Yeah, good. Okay. And uh, that, that does make a lot of sense. And we do uh, hear that certainly that the ecosystem needs to get better at working together and hopefully yes over time and, and sooner rather than later that does happen um that actually leads me into my next question which is um now we talked at the top of this about you know a little bit about okay so auto versus allo uh, a mention of solid tumor versus hematologic malignancies i'd love and i'd love to hear from and i'm curious about your take on some of the various innovations and consideration and in progress regarding solid tumor cancers and, and their patient outcomes. Like, you know, into 2024, what what are the actual innovations we're looking at? What are some, prog prog what is the progress being made? Yeah, so first I always like the ladder up to say, you know, when we think about solid tumor, you're talking about 90% of cancers are solid tumors. And this is why, if you look at all the clinical trials on clinicaltrials.gov, whether it's preclinical to phase one to phase two to phase three work, 60% of those trials in cell therapy are now in solid tumor because the field has recognized that there is an enormous unmet need and opportunity for cell therapy to potentially bring that deep, durable, and curative intent of cell therapy into solid tumor. Now that said, what is more difficult in solid tumors than you might see in hematologic malignancies is we don't have that clean target. The antigens aren't presenting right on the surface. You have a very difficult tumor microenvironment. So there's clearly, as we look in solid tumor and as you look at all the work, um, extraordinary work has been going on over the last decade here and, and more so, is it's probably gonna take a multiple gene edited approach and potentially combinations, because it's clear this notion of taking what I call a simple car, single targeted, no gene edits um, into solid tumor is gonna be very, very 
difficult, um, where you make an initial response, the response won't be persistent. Um, and so the question for the field and what you see happening extraordinarily is this notion of how do you not only find the target, but once you find the target, how do you find that persistence? So I think about examples where in pancreatic cancer or gastric cancer, where we were seeing late stage um, of these patients having no other modality have any response. And now you're seeing responses with CAR T's. The issue is there isn't persistence. And now more recently, we have seen through TCR technologies, so, so the work um, that's being done by Amatic, some extraordinary work with PRAIM on the PRAIM target and, and melanoma. So you're starting to see not only response, um, but you're seeing some persistence that's response. So while it has feel, felt very elusive um, for those of us working in CAR-T to be able to work through the tumor microenvironment, find that target, and then find persistence, we're starting to see early indications that we have promised here with CAR-T and solid tumor. I think it's further out than we hoped. Um, I still think there is more work to be done on some of these areas, but I do think as we think about you know, the way BMS is approaching it, BMS is recognizing because it is a complex research and engineering problem, we have a lot of different strategic collaborations working alongside of many companies who will have different approaches, both on the technology end, like how do you do a cost-effective gene edit? Because remember, when you think about autologous cell therapy, it's super complex and it can be very costly. Sure. So if you think about taking autologous cell therapy and adding multiple knock-ins and knock-outs, you're talking about not only significant turnaround times and spec release requirements by health authorities, but you're also talking about a lot of expense. So the, a lot of the technology we're focused on, how do you simplify even your gen, gene edits? Um, how do you make them scalable, which is the intent as you think about solid tumor? And then, of course, we're spending a lot of work on trying to figure out how do you create some of that persistence. So I, I'm quite energized about what I see here at BMS, not only about the work that's being done, but how we're doing it. We we don't believe we're going to be able to answer every scientific question or every engineering question ourselves. And that's why strategic um, partnerships with, you know, really critical partners like Arsenal and Maddox and others have been really helpful in having us think differently um, about how we potentially can bring the promise of cell therapy to solid tumors. Good, good. And I do love that uh, that spirit of collaboration that does seem to be really rampant throughout the, the sector, um, which is excellent. And I want to now flip that exact same discussion onto hematologic malignancies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is there some overlap with what we're seeing in the innovations that you just described for solid tumor? Um, are they different? But really, what are those innovations and what would you describe as being, you know, the most, how are we progressing the most? So I think about, first of all, to answer your one question about, is there some similarities and parallel paths? Yes, of course, because if I think about what is ailing us in hematologic malignancies. Well, we found a clean target. As I spoke about earlier, we are still trying to raise the bar even where we found clean targets. And so the notion of approaching it with dual targeting approaches to see if you can get even greater percentage of patients to respond or you can get even greater durable responses in the patients that respond. 
And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, there's also the notion of exploring off-the-shelf solutions so that you have the ability to scale to reach more patients. So again, BMS is also exploring um, allo um, approaches to be able to bring it to more patients. And then, of course, there's other, you know, right now where the field's heavily in lymphomas, um, is there other and multiple myeloma? Um, are there other areas that we can continue to have some great success? Um, and, and I think that's where, when I think about multiple myeloma, we're super excited about being the first to bring a CAR-T into to multiple myeloma. Obviously, it was an extraordinarily high met need that was met with um, the demand being way higher than our ability to supply it, which was a daunting task for, for the team. And we we're excited to see what the team's been able to do to ramp our capacity. Today, we're four times what we were when we originally launched, which allows us to bring the promise of cell therapy. But we also recognize in a BCMA-targeted CAR-T approach that not all patients are responding. Um, and we see durable responses, but it's in a smaller percentages than what you see in large B-cell lymphoma, for example. And so clearly the notion of exploring other targets like GPRC5D has been a high interest of ours. We were excited, as I mentioned earlier, about the opportunity to uh, present data at EHA that shows efficacy and, um, and safety in that target, both pre-BCMA and post-BCMA. So I also think in myeloma, because it's a highly complicated disease, I do think in order for us to truly get a cure, we're probably going to see um, more of this dual targeting um, approach or a sequencing approach or combination approach, all of which BMS is exploring both with advancing a dual car that has a BCMA5D targeting approach as well as looking at um, our cars in combination with T-cell engagers. So I do think in some of the hematologic malignancies where we've seen promise, I, I do think we want to raise the bar um, on the efficacy and we want to also explore it in other areas. And then finally, as I said, it's how do you bring it to more patients by exploring technologies, both on automating your autologous programs and making that as fast as possible, as well as bringing off the shelf solutions to the market. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see where we go. And I'm, that's actually what I want to talk a little about next. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit briefly throughout our call so far, but explain for our listeners what uh, they can expect, which are certainly, you know, peers in the cell and gene therapy sector, what to expect from BMS into 2024 and shortly thereafter. Yeah, I'll start with one of the, the new frontiers in cell therapy. They're quite excited. 16 companies are actively pursuing um, the opportunity to bring cell therapy and the promise of cell therapy into autoimmune. This is a big area of focus um, for the company. We're quite excited to bring our CD19 XT asset into um, severe lupus initially. We're excited for a couple of things. When you look at the early data that Dr. Georgette, who presented at Goulart, you know, about 18 months ago, that kind of set the match on the ground of excitement, of proof of concept. Could you essentially deplete someone's um, B cells by targeting it with a CAR -T, CD19 CAR T and almost reset their immune system? Um, and seeing the seven patients that he initially dosed and seeing how you know multiple you know you know months and year, a couple of them a couple of years out having that deep, durable remission where there was really just no promise for these patients is extremely exciting. 
And so we are actively um, recruiting and moving our program forward, not only in the U.S., but we'll be recruiting it outside the United States. We're quite excited about the promise of what that could mean, not just in SLE, where you have, you know, a highly B-cell mediated audience, but could that be explored beyond? And of course, the field is active there. So I, I definitely think you'll expect more from BMS in autoimmune in 24 with our cell therapy um, franchise, which we're quite excited about. And then also in 24 with our inline assets, you're going to hear a multiple um, uh, launches. As a matter of fact, it will be um, of, of all the years we've had so far in cell therapy, this will be the most active in launches. We have multiple launches planned for both um, our, you know, VECMA with our third line, as well as it with Briante with the opportunity to potentially bring into um, CLL follicular as, as well as MCL. So we're working actively with health authorities to be able to bring um, those assets um, into earlier lines as well as into other indications. So that's quite exciting. And the final thing you'll expect from BMS in 24 is, as everyone knows in, in cell therapy, is how do you scale and how do you make sure you can bring more promise? So there's continued heavy investment by us to scale both our vector capacity. So we announced um, earlier this year the plans to acquire um, Libertyville, which is a gene therapy um, uh, facility, and we're bringing that in-house for us to be bring, developing a vector, viral vector for ourselves. It will be a next generation uh, facility for us, bringing both suspension, plenty viral vector, for a BACMA, as well as um, hyperstack lentiviral vector for um, Brianzi, as well as our pipeline. So we're quite excited about internalizing and dual sourcing vector. It has been a challenge for us um, to date, um, and we're quite excited about that. And then when it comes to drug product capacity, we're obviously just recently opened our Devons facility, which is our new state-of-the-art facility um, that will be commercializing and delivering Brianzi and already is today. That will continue to scale into 24. And then we're actively um, finishing and um, building out our Leiden facility, which will be our first European um, facility. And that will open in 25, but there'll be active milestones that we'll be hitting in, in 24. And then, then finally, as, as I spoke about many times, but be remiss not to mention our, our folks in our research and clinical um, R&D teams will be actively continuing to advance our early um, pipeline as well as our late, late stage pipeline to continue to explore additional targets and additional disease areas we're quite excited about. That's wonderful. And uh, it, I to recap it all, I don't even know that I could. That's amazing. And uh, all I can say is certainly we want to, at Cell and Gene, follow BMS as you continue to progress on all of these innovations, come back next year and report on how well everything is going. We, we talk autoimmune therapies all the time, um, or, excuse me, therapies for autoimmune diseases, yeah. uh, scale up, scale out, certainly biovector production, all of that. So that's information that's important to our readers and our listeners of this podcast. So um, thank you for the work you're doing. And we will most certainly catch up with you in 2024 once we have some time between us to see uh, how things are going. That, that would be great. And I'll just say that um, I'm glad you had the opportunity to talk to other folks at BMS. The thing that I'm most proud about, yes, in addition to all the transformational results we're having for patients, it's the extraordinary people um, at BMS that make it possible that I've had the good fortune to work um, with, and particularly in cell and gene therapy. They're dealing with some of the most complex scientific and engineering problems I think our field has seen. And the persistence and determination they have 
no matter what setbacks we get or what complexities they face, um, they are determined to bring this curative opportunity to more and more patients. And it's quite um, empowering and slash energizing just to see the, their great work. And the brilliance. And yeah. it's, it's, it's quite humbling, actually. I've had the, the good fortune to interview uh, not only yourself, but a few people from uh, your team at BMS and certainly very, very good people doing very, very good things. So, uh, so I agree. Um, we've reached the formal end of our podcast. And uh, as my listeners uh, hopefully know that about at this time, I like to talk to my guests about, you know, who they are when they're not in the office of the lab. Um, and so uh, before we started recording, uh, we talked about the fact that we, what we, one of the things we have in common is that we are full-time working mothers. Mm -hmm. And so um, for any parent out there or, you know, caregiver knows um, it's, takes a lot of time and a lot of love. So I was wondering uh, when you're not in, you know, working hard at Bristol Myers Squibb, what do your weekends look like? So I, I joke people when I, I, I leave here to go for the weekends or when I come back, I don't know which one is more, you know, chaotic, crazy and, and fun all wrapped up in one. But I will say equally to some of the complexity and energy I get during my five days during the week here, I, I certainly get a lot of that at home. I have four, four little ones. Um, who keep me highly active. So our weekends are awfully filled with on sports fields, running from field to field and trying to court one sport event to the other um, and and lots of just laughs. We, we have a, an active family and we certainly enjoy our time together. But I joke, I, I, I'm not sure which one is more um, energizing um, and or draining at the same time, whether it's, you know, the complexities here at work or the complexities at home. <laughs> <laughs> I know I say I, I crash hard at the end of the day at yeah. night. I, yeah. I, my head hits that pillow and I'm, I'm fast asleep pretty quickly because it's so much fun, but it is, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of running around. And, uh, so I, I agree. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, well, good. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, listeners, that wraps up this episode of Selling the Podcast. Thank you once again to Bristol Myers Squibb's Linnell Hoke for joining me. Linnell, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and very insightful. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciated the time. Visit us at CellInGene.com and be sure to tell your Cell and Gene Therapy peers to subscribe to our podcast. And we'll talk to you soon.